You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to TGI Football here on the SB Nation NFL Show. A reminder before we keep going that this show is presented to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. As noted, this is TGI Football, which means it's Friday. This is the SB Nation NFL Show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a rating, write a review. Those things make us happy. You can also watch this. You can watch it live on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel where you can see the fantastic effervescent faces of myself, Amar Ochoa from Blog of the Boys. He is Steven Serta from Arrowhead Pride, and he is Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation. BLG, the times are tough in the KCMO for Steven and the rest of the Kansas City bunch. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs may never win a game ever again, people are saying. Yeah, they're Steven, the worst team in the uh, NFL right now. Steven, you woke up in Armageddon um, after the Detroit Lions <laughs> shocked the world, seemingly, um, although not NFL Twitter, um, on Thursday night. Uh, always a confusing thing. Not Thursday night football. Technically, Sunday night football mm. on Thursday night on NBC, presented by YouTube TV, also mm. available on NFL+. Plus. Um, <laughs> uh, the truest indication that the NFL season is back. Uh, we're going to, of course, preview all the games to come. We're going to get to our pick three segment, but we have to discuss the game at hand. And Steven, no one knows it better than you do. Once again, the Chiefs falling on the night that they raised their banner, 21 to 20. Jared Goff is undefeated against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Jared Goff just comes up big against Patrick Mahomes. I, I guess that's the thing. But no, I mean, it's a week one contest. Uh, I'm not that worried about the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. They just didn't play well. Like offensively, I, I think we drastically underestimated how much Travis Kelsey being unavailable on such short notice affected everything for the Chiefs. And they're desperate for one of these wide receivers to step up. And just absolutely nobody did last night. Like Rasheed Rice was like the one positive in the wide receiver room. Everything else was just kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm a little bit worried now. I want to give the Lions credit because I was holding them to a standard, as RJ knows, because I talked about this with him before the game off air, about like the Lions don't win this game with no Chris Jones, no Travis Kelsey, and it's not particularly close either. But even if they don't win at all, it kind of felt like, like you have to win this game. If you really are the it team, you're justifying all this hype, you have to win that game. You have to prove you're different, and it's a different year. And it's not just about progress. It's actually about results at this point now into what year three of Dan Campbell. And they did it. So congrats to them. Now, I do think it's not like, well, the Lions have arrived and they're a juggernaut and they're really scary because I think there's also a lot of the Chiefs lost that game with the amount of mistakes they made. Um, and there's a lot of people tweeting, especially in Eagles world, about how it reminded them of once upon a time when Andy Reid had a quarterback with no great receiving options to uh, work with around him and Donovan McNabb and the cast of characters he had prior to uh, Terrell Owens and whatnot. And that was kind of like Mahomes without Kelsey last night. Um, certainly was tough for the Chiefs, I'm sure, to see so many opportunities squandered. I mean, just the Kadarius Tony pick six. I mean, the ball's right in his hands. Like, I'm sure we've all seen the, the screenshot of like, it's a perfect pass. You have to catch the ball. And it turns into a pick six, and ultimately it's a one-point game, and that's a huge difference. So uh, I think the Chiefs will be fine once Kelsey gets back, but uh, until he does, and also we'll see what happens with Chris Jones, they're definitely more mortal and not as scary. I, I do think the bigger story is the Chiefs, despite um, the, you know, fun, whatever. I'm, I'm not in on the line stuff. You both know that. 
Um, I, Brandon and I were pretty simpatico on wanting to see them prove it. And it, it did feel like Kansas City lost it more than Detroit won it. Because, Stephen, you were talking about this before we started. Um, we didn't even get the, like, offensive explosion that we sort of anticipated from the Lions this season. Now, granted, it's week one um, or whatever. Uh, Brandon, you brought up the Kadarius Tony thing. Maybe, like, the worst possible game that a skill position player has had in a very long time. Mm. Like, it, it's it's really amazing. You talked about how Eagles fans uh, were kind of chiming in. Cowboys fans uh, really um, triggered by the Kadarius Tony tip that wound up as a pick six. Very reminiscent of Noah Brown um, in Jacksonville last year. Um, and everybody kind of getting their jokes off like, oh, whoa, I thought, you know, this was only something that happened to Dak Prescott and blah, blah, blah. Um, again, it's nice to have the NFL back. I don't know that this was like, uh, I saw a lot of Steven like, oh, Chiefs are going to pay Chris Jones tomorrow. This I, I didn't really feel like Chris Jones wins that game for the Chiefs because it felt like mm. they, they could have very well won it anyway. It did feel like the Travis Kelsey absence was just this massive dark cloud hanging over them though. Yeah, I think Travis Kelsey not being there was much bigger than Chris Jones last night. Like, I thought the Chiefs defense played pretty well. Like, if we're supposed to buy into this Lions team being a legitimate, like, top five offense in the NFL, the Chiefs defense held their own. They only gave up 14 points. And and Mike Dana, who's a really underrated part of that Chiefs defensive line, had a nice game. George Karloftis had had some moments. And Felix Anadike Uzama, the Chiefs first-round pick, had some nice reps. Like, I think Chiefs fans should feel really good about the defense, but it all just comes back to how poorly the offense played and specifically the wide receivers. Like I I just think Travis Kelsey getting hurt on a Tuesday, them having to rule him out so fast for Thursday, just really messed up the game plan. And then they had to thrust these wide receivers into situations where, yeah, in key moments of the game, Patrick Mahomes is going to Kadarius Tony, even after we've already seen Kadarius Tony just fumble over and over again in key moments of the game. And I believe that Travis Kelsey would be the guy that you go to in those situations. Like it just it's an ugly week one for the Chiefs, but I'm still optimistic that they'll figure things out. And I don't think it's the end of the world right now. It's not like they need to make a panic move, but I do think there is an opportunity clearly for them to upgrade at receiver, assuming if they're going to spend the draft picks and money, it would take everyone brought up Mike Evans as like a possibility. Right. C- certainly, you know, there's discord there in Tampa Bay and that would make sense. I mean, what if I was just thinking about it here and again, I don't know how contract works out and everything, but like, what if there becomes an opportunity to trade for Cooper cup? Because the Rams are really bad. I think, you know, I think that is something to watch, you know, prior to the deadline, which is still uh, quite a while away, I think Halloween. Um, But I definitely think that is, and, you know, Kelsey getting back will solve a lot. But still, I mean, even if you have him, you also have to plan, okay, what if there is a time where we don't? And what is the backup option? And it might be nice to get another upgrade there. And I, I think the the biggest thing that concerned me last night with the wide receivers, it wasn't even really the drops. It was... Mahomes' offensive line looked really good. He had a lot of time, and his protection was really good. But nobody was getting open, and so he was having to drag out plays left and right because guys aren't getting open and winning one-on-one matchups. That's a bigger red flag to me than all of the drops and all of that Mm. stuff. Like, if you can't rely on these guys to get open, like if Travis Kelsey is truly your only mismatch guy who can get open on a regular basis, that's what I'm worried about because I don't know if development is going to help that stuff. Mm. I have a few things to kind of hit quickly because we have a lot of games. We have the most possible games that we can get to, given that it's week one. Um, first of all, I brought up the Jared Goff thing. I don't know if either of you saw this tweet. Uh, Brett Coleman, who does a lot of great work. Um, it was so funny. Um, I'm Steven, I, I know like the way when a game ends, you're just like drowning and everything. So maybe you missed it. Uh, Brett tweeted, Jared Goff is 2-0 and versus Mahomes now. The baby goat has found his Eli. I loved that. Um, that really <laughs> kind of, I think, encapsulates um, just football in a lot of senses, Brandon. I mean, golf wasn't good, though. I mean, I mean, no, he made that's some the, big That's throws. why it works. Like, that's why it's so perfect. But, like, I, I was frustrated, though, on the Lions' behalf of, like, it's just, like, this team can't be, like, a real, true juggernaut team, I feel like, until the quarterback is someone you're actually scared of. Like, he, he does enough, but there's just times where you see where, like, there's limitations there, and he's a win-with player, and he's not, like, just a wow kind of, you know, taking over. And, look, again, I want to give the Lions credit specifically because this is, like, the biggest win for them in – how long? Like a very long time. This is a very big win for them in terms of what this means. And I think for a franchise that has not had a lot to celebrate <laughs> for a long time, I, this is meaningful. I know it wasn't like the most style points and everything, but ultimately they got it done. It's not like, again, the Lions have arrived. They're a juggernaut. 
but this is you know there's more time for that to evolve if they continue to build on this it's, it's an, a game they can build on and i think it's I, i've seen you know a lot of the fans from pride of detroit and whatnot um are pretty hyped up about it i don't think they think their team is flawless they can't be beaten but i do think it's a sense of and i think lions players were talking about this too former eagle chauncey garner johnson was like you know this is different and if that's true whether that's true remains to be seen but if you have a game like this and the players start to believe that well maybe that's like where things start to turn if people actually can believe it's different and they're not the quote-unquote same old lions which is like the, the trope uh in detroit sol um maybe they can actually turn things around and it, it is different for them this year steven i wanted to get um like a vibe check from you um on the Juwan Taylor thing. I, I thought it was so interesting how the broadcast like went at him. I, I, I was trying to think about like the last time a broadcast, you know, like picked on something like that before. And I couldn't, you know, nothing came to the mind, you know, my mind at the top of my head. Um, it, it also sparked this debate over what is and isn't a false start. Um, mm. And then, then it became an argument about where he was lining up and things like that. I loved Chris Collinsworth line about him lining up at slot receiver. Like it was just like, it's really, <laughs> again, it was such a great, like football's back. Like we can obsess about these tiny thing moments. Um, are chiefs fans bothered? Are they upset? Are they defensive? Like what is the vibe? Here? Uh, I think a lot of people were bothered by it, which is kind of weird because Jawan Taylor has been doing this his entire career. Like this mm. isn't something new. It's just that he was playing in Jacksonville before. And so it wasn't it, it wasn't brought front and center on the NFL stage the way it's gonna be for the Kansas City Chiefs, but like he doesn't get flagged for it. And if he doesn't get flagged for it, exploit it. Continue to do it. I don't care. I don't think it's cheating if you're That's exploiting totally a rule and getting away with it. Like if if they want to enforce it and start throwing flags every time he does it, then he's gonna have to change things up. But until right. then, I don't have any issues with it. Yeah, Lane Johnson gets criticized a lot for that too. Um, I don't know if it's different at all. It seemed weird to me that Taylor like shakes his knee a little bit too. That seems like a little kind of like maybe that's crossing the line to me because it's like you can't, you know, be like moving a body part and like potentially luring a defender with that. It's kind of very quick. It happens very fast. So maybe that's too subtle. But um, yeah, I, I definitely having lived through that with the uh, Lane Johnson of it all. Even Jason Peters back in the day used to do that a lot too. I think there's something to like like offensive tackles knowing they can get away with that and those are good players you name too that's not just like you know guys who aren't any good um so clearly there's some level of like um there's an art to that i think and they're not getting called for it um last thing because we do have a lot to get to something i wanted to bounce off of both of you steven a few weeks ago when brandon and i were arguing over mike mccarthy and nick sirianni um i brought up how people used to used to say that andy reed was horrible at clock management i know you certainly recall that and a lot of benefit of the doubt is is gained when you win super bowls right like you know so like nobody's here to say like andy reed sucks but the end of this game was so horrible i don't think anyone understands why the chiefs handled it the way that they did other than that maybe Mahomes was insistent on going for it, which you know we kind of saw unfold. But the decision to go for it on 4th and 20 and then 4th and 25, amazingly after the false start was finally called. It was just such poetry that that's when the first false start was called against Taylor. Um, are people upset with the way Andy Reid handled the end of the game? Sure, but this is nothing new. Like Andy Reid... He's been bad at clock management his entire time in Kansas City. But when you win and you have Patrick Mahomes, it covers up a lot of things. Like It's like when the Chiefs had Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles was near the top of the NFL in fumbles like every year of his career. But he was so incredible, nobody ever talked about it. And nobody was ever like, Jamal Charles needs to secure the football and, and stop fumbling. We didn't talk about it because Jamal Charles was incredible. And it was, it was like, fine, he's going to fumble it every now and then but he'll still have 150 total yards and a couple of touchdowns and it'll be okay. Like it's exactly what it is with Andy Reed. Like the short yardage stuff that's been going on for years. I saw a lot of people blaming Matt Nagy for that. Andy Reed has been doing that for years. They don't quarterback sneak it anymore. Everyone knows what the Blake bell formation is and no one is fooled by it, but Andy Reed keeps doing it on third and one and it's not going away. It's incredibly frustrating. Brandon and Mahomes, Andy Mahomes. Reed. Well, Mahomes got hurt like that last year, right? That was like the big thing. He got hurt on the sneak, so they kind of went away from that. But, I mean, uh, my good friend Jimmy Kemsky, who I was BGN Radio with, pointed out on Twitter, it's like, it's just, okay, the downside of not getting it on the sneak, though, other than the injury, is like, you're still there. You're still there, pretty much, and you can go for it on fourth and one or whatever. You're not losing yardage, which they I mean, did the ups, on that play. The upside, is, not the downside. 
Yeah, sorry. Well, I'm saying the worst case scenario. Right, I got what you. I'm trying to say is like that. Okay, you don't get it, but you're still basically right there. You're not going to like lose a couple yards, which is a huge deal at that point, because then you have to punt and you can't go for it again on fourth down. So yeah, that was that was a critical mistake. Um, but again, uh, I think Steven said it well. It's not like I think people just were like, "Oh, Andy Reid figured it out." No, he didn't figure it out. It's just that he has the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks of all time who kind of covers up for that stuff typically. Um, the Chiefs will have to sit and stew on this loss before traveling to visit the Jacksonville Jaguars in week two. Meanwhile, the Detroit Lions will have their home opener next Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks and try mm. to get to two. And oh, we will, of course, preview all of the games to come uh, throughout the rest of week one. But before we do, we're going to do our pick three segment, which is, of course, brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Pick me! One, two, three. Pick one. On three. Pick three, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right, gentlemen, because the NFL is back, that means the Dallas Cowboys own the world once again. Uh, So the Cowboys game in New York, or not really New York, against the Giants serves as our pick three opportunity here this week. Brandon, I believe you did the best in this exercise last week among us. Uh, So the floor is yours. Dallas at New York, what are you going with and why? Yeah, I'm going to go with Dak Prescott uh, over 199.5 passing yards. So he has to at least get 200 passing yards. That's not really the highest bar to clear. Uh, He went over that mark twice against the Giants last year um, when uh, so the first game he had uh, 215 so it was close then the second one he had 261 look I think the Giants have done some nice things on defense but I don't think they are certainly uh, a juggernaut and I don't think they're going to be able to just totally clamp down on CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks who the Cowboys added and obviously Gallup is in the mix there as well Jalen Tolbert had a nice training camp so I hear, uh, I think ultimately it's a low bar to clear. And I think Dak can clear the, the 200. Okay. Um, Dak missed the first Giants game last year. I think you're talking about his last two Giants games. It was Cooper okay, Rush sorry, yeah. in New York uh, a year ago. But the Cowboys still won that game. And Cooper Rush was a, a big reason why. Uh, Steven Serta, where are you going and why? I'm sticking with the Cowboys. And I am going to take CD Lamb 70 plus receiving yards minus 125. Uh, kind of similar to what. BLG just said, like, I like what the Giants have done this offseason, and I I think their defense has some talent, but I still think that C.D. Lamb is an elite player, and if this Cowboys offense is supposed to be, like, an elite offense, like, this should be an easy spot for him to gain 70 receiving yards, and I I like the Cowboys offense and the guys that they added and Brandon Cooks, and we'll see if Jalen Tolbert and Michael Gallup can contribute more this year, Um, but I I think C.D. is a superstar, so I think 70 yards should be pretty easy for for him in week one gotta be honest has me just a teeny bit nervous um that both of you are like showering the cowboys with all this love and affection (laughs) um but it is a pick three segment which means i have to offer a leg as well and it's always nice when we can touch both sides uh so you both went dallas i went new york uh you both talked about the changes and the modifications the giants have made over the offseason darren waller kind of headlines that um and this feels like an opportunity Uh, where there's going to be a lot of opportunities. The Giants didn't trade for Darren Waller to not, you know, focus on him entirely. So I'm taking Darren Waller as an anytime touchdown score, Mm. the longest odds of any of our props uh, at plus 200. Um, Again, I think that they they traded for Darren Waller for those moments down in the red zone. um, All due respect to Jalen Hyatt. That's not really his thing. He's more of a deep threat. Uh, I think when you get down close, you're looking for the biggest body you can possibly find. And Darren Waller, I think, has a chance to score in this game. And that's all that has to happen. So all told, that takes us to a grand total. If you line up this pick three uh, segment or you know slotment over at DraftKings plus 400. So, Brandon, can you tell us what that means if I bet a dollar? If you bet, well, let's say 10. Because 10 is a, you know, a fun, it's a more fun number. I mean, you, you got a lot, lot deeper pockets than I do. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, the minimum deposit on DraftKings is $5. Obviously, you could spend one of those $5. But anyway, uh, I'm going to say 10 and that would be $50, a payout of $50. So a profit of $40, though. Obviously. Sure. Yeah, total payout of $50. You're betting 10 okay. So, yes. Stephen, what would you do with the uh, $50? Um, I would go to the movies or something. <laughs> nice. 
I'm not shocked. I think that that's good enough for one movie uh, these days um, and popcorn and a drink. Uh, so, okay. Uh, thanks again to DraftKings uh, for sponsoring us. If you make this bet, let us know. Tweet at us. Uh, we would love to see it and we would love to support you. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, okay, so um, we might as well talk about this game since we just did our pick three. Uh, a reminder, because this is our first uh, regular season episode of TGI Football, that we each have a lock of the week. Um, I think that that's going to come into play when it comes to Cowboys Giants. Are we bringing the zap back? We didn't talk about this. I don't know if you're prepared, 100%. Stephen, um, with with the um, the zap sound effect. If you're not, then I don't think we can do it. No, but, we can uh, do it. I mean, we we, ha- we have it. Um, I just gotta <laughs> find it. Man. Okay, Thank there you. we go. So does that nice. means uh, for new listeners? First of all, how dare you not listen last year? But um, we each hold the right to zap you know, one of the other at any point. And so say we're talking Vikings Buccaneers and Brandon doesn't want to hear what I have to say. He can mm-hmm. zap me. I cannot offer anything except for a pick on that yeah. game. Um, and so you can only be zapped or you can be zapped twice, but everybody only has one zap. Everybody understand the rules. And you also can't zap someone when they're talking about the team they cover. So me, the Eagles, RJ, the Cowboys, and Stephen, the Chiefs. Stephen left out because the Chiefs already collapsed this week, so we don't have to worry yep. about that. Um, okay, so the Dallas Cowboys are, at present time, we're doing this uh, Friday morning, um, three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, over the New York Giants. It is a road game for Dallas. Cowboys-Giants is kind of a staple for week one on Sunday night football. Stephen, you talked about liking the Cowboys and what they have to offer. Uh, where are you going on this one? I, I hope this is a shootout because uh, we've been hyping up the Giants all offseason and Daniel Jones and Brian Dable is finally ready for him to make this huge jump and Darren Waller and they've got kind of like the Chiefs. They've got like nine different wide receivers. You don't really know who's going to step up and make plays, but I, I still like the Dallas Cowboys in this. Like, um, I know the Cowboys are getting a lot of Super Bowl hype right now. I think. I don't know if I'm there with Mike McCarthy yet, but I do think that they are one of the best teams in the NFL with one of the most talented rosters in football. I know they've got some injuries along the offensive line that are a little worrisome right now, but I think their defense is going to be really, really good. And Micah Parsons, we know, is elite. And I'll I'll factor all of that into Dak and the offensive weapons. I just think the Cowboys are going to be too much for the Giants. Brandon, just to offer clarity, um, on Friday morning, Tyler Smith, Cowboys left guard, first round pick last year. A little bit more, um, I don't even want to use the term in doubt, but his his situation is more in doubt than Tyron Smith. Tyron, of course, has had injuries all throughout the last however many years at this point, eight years, uh, popped up on the injury report on Thursday with an ankle injury. Now, Mike McCarthy has downplayed those things for the most part this week. But again, I would say the stress level on Tyler is higher than Tyron. Cowboys have won 10 straight against the Giants with Dak Prescott starting 11 of the last 12 total games between the Cowboys and Giants. So 
why in my right mind am I just giving the Giants the benefit of the doubt in this scenario? Like, they have not done anything to earn that to this point. And if I'm wrong about it, so be it. But am I going to regret going with this trend of the Giants not being able to beat the Cowboys at all? No, I'm not. I'm not going to regret that. If they pull it off, then they show that it's a new year for them. Things are changing. Credit to them at that point. But until it happens, I am not going to just merely believe that. This is actually my lock of the week, the Cowboys, to not only win this game, but to cover this as well. I think they win by at least six points, and I don't really think they sweat it out too, too much. Maybe in the beginning it's a little bit close. At the end of the game, I think the Cowboys will have the game in hand. So one lock of the week down. Um, we haven't discussed this, by the way, but I don't think we're going to be allowed to repeat locks, which is what something we did last That's year. So not... somebody gets a lock. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant, I meant, I, mean, I meant amongst us three. my lock pick that I just made right before the show. No, 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 no. Hmm. I'm saying among us three. Like, so if somebody locks a game, it's unlockable for the other two. That's what I'm saying. That's my point. Uh, just to be clear. So that way we get three locks, three different locks. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys have owned the Giants. Dak Prescott has only lost to the Giants as a rookie. He actually got swept by them um, that year in 2016. Uh, that was that weird McAdoo season where the Giants weren't actually good either. They also had a weird um, kind of situation with the radios, and they were like kind of using mm. some improper radios that game in New York. Uh, but I mentioned it. Cooper Rush started the, the game in New York last year for the Cowboys, and they still won handily. Mm. It was actually the game with Dak that was a little bit closer. The Giants did lead the Cowboys at halftime on Thanksgiving. You might have both forgotten. Um, but, yeah, I just I, – I think we're all – when it comes to challenges like this and, and wait-and-see-it territory from the Giants, I think we trust them to be better. But um, this is this is a team that has owned them for the most part. So, yeah, I'll take the Cowboys. I'll lay the points. So that's a clean sweep for Dallas uh, here on the show. Whoever wins this game is in first place in the NFC East after week one, just because it is a division rivalry. Um, that takes us to our next game. The Houston Texans are visiting the Baltimore Ravens um, and our big time underdogs. Brandon, your boy, Lamar Jackson, is expected to put together an MVP like season. Uh, and he better in this game because the Ravens are laying nine and a half points at home to the Texans. You're a Texans guy, RJ. I mean, you have the Texans potentially winning the AFC South, as you talked about yeah. Monday Football Monday, which was recorded on Tuesday. Um, <laughs> if I'm going by the you have not proved anything and I'm not giving you the benefit of the doubt, then I can't possibly do that to the Texans. I do like D'Amico Ryans a lot. I think ultimately the arrow potentially might be actually pointing up on them in the longer term because of that in large part, but not really buying CJ Stroud at this point. And for as much as I have questions, I think very much fairly so about Lamar specifically when it comes to the postseason, uh, the Ravens have a lot of regular season success and I think they should be able to take care of business. I know it's a big line, but uh, I will actually trust the Ravens to get it done and I will take them to win and cover. Yeah, it, nine and a half is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but, but but looking at the Houston Texans, like I, I love D'Amico Ryans too, and I'm hopeful that he's going to be a really good head coach um, in the NFL. And they've got some young talent, and I, I hope C.J. Stroud has a nice long NFL career and looks good. I just think that the Ravens are one of the teams that's kind of trying to load up to try to make sure, hey, don't forget about us in the AFC, even though we know there's a lot of good teams out there right now in this conference. Like the Ravens defense was good last year, has a chance to be better this season. The offense has a chance to be better, and they've got a new offensive coordinator in Todd Monken, and that's supposed to change things and take Lamar to a whole other level. And so if all of those things are true – you absolutely cannot lose to a team like the Houston Texans in week one. Like, like it's not like the Chiefs and Lions last night. Like, the Lions are a good football team. I think we all acknowledge that. I don't think we thought they were going to beat the Chiefs. Houston, some young talent, but I think we also think they're a bad football team. Like, the Ravens should pretty easily win this. So, I'll, I'll even take the nine and a half. Like, I don't think it's crazy to assume that they can win by that. I do believe in the Texans. Um, for what it's worth, I think you can lose in week one and still win the division. See the Kansas City Chiefs um, and Chiefs Kingdom in case any of them are panicking, which they definitely are, according to our friend Stephen. Uh, but um, but yeah, I as much as I believe in the Texans, I really believe in the Ravens. Um, I would have picked mm. the Ravens to win the AFC North if the Bengals weren't who they are. Um, and so I'm I'm sort I really am like 
besides the Cowboys sort of rooting for the Ravens to cover this, like I would love to see them kind of flex their muscles and prove like, yeah, we, you know, we are for real. Like last year had all the weird Lamar contract stuff and injury stuff and everything. Like everything is stabilized now. I will say, did either of you see the Odell thing on Thursday um, where he like kind of laughed about the ankle rumor or whatever? Like that was a weird vibe um, when everything had kind of mm. been chill on the Ravens front. Uh, but I don't want to read too much into that. I'm with you both. I'll lay the points. It's a lot. Um, and I would normally feel stressed about it, but for whatever reason, I don't hear. So um, congratulations to the Ravens. They have our belief. We move on now uh, to the home of one of the more underrated teams in the NFL, potentially, the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, back-to-back purple um, discussions here. Uh, the Vikings hosting the Buccaneers, favored by five and a half points. Uh, we obviously, um, you know, have some questions about the Vikings and whether or not they can sustain what they did last year. Steven, um, this is my lock of the week. I'll go ahead and say it now. I'm taking the Vikings, but a lot of that is the lack of belief in the Vikings. I think it's a pretty easy win for the Vikings, and I'm not totally in on the Vikings. Like, I don't think that they've gotten better compared to last year, and they were, you know, the 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 come-from-behind team last year, the one-possession team that, like, wins all these coin-toss games, and they're still talented. I just think that Tampa Bay is going to be bad, and I know – like obviously Brady not being there and they've got Baker Mayfield, but you, you kind of want to be like, well, Tampa Bay still has a lot of those same players on the defense. So the defense could still be good, but like year over year defense is really hard to carry over. And those guys are getting older. Like Shaquille Barrett's coming off of an Achilles injury. So I'm not really willing to buy into Tampa Bay's defense either. And then the Mike Evans thing and the Chris Godwin stuff, like, the Vikings are just the superior team. Like they've got the far superior offensive talent and you just assume they're going to be able to put up points. And I don't think Tampa Bay is going to be able to do much about it. I feel like the Buccaneers might be that team in the mix for the one, the number one overall pick that could most benefit from like getting Caleb Williams, as opposed to like, I don't know that he's making the difference for the Cardinals. who I think are in bad shape in a lot of ways. And some of the other teams in the mix there like the Texans seemingly might have their guy at least in their mind uh the Colts also in that boat um Rams you could also say but I don't know it seems like they're kind of on a longer path um so it would be nice for them if you could go from Tom Brady okay you have one down here then you have your new guy but uh I, and I think that is in the cards because I think they're going to be really bad and also for as much as I think Kirk Cousins is the worst quarterback to have in the NFL not the worst quarterback himself the worst one to have he does beat up on the bad teams loses to the good ones Bucks are bad he'll beat them yeah the Bucks are back um to like relegation you know what I'm saying like they're the Leicester City of NFL teams like they won the Premier League and it was this great story and everything and now it's like well, nobody really cared about you, you know, to begin with. Um, so, okay. Uh, wow. We're, um, we're all in agreement here. Uh, maybe yeah. this game will offer a bit of a difference. The Pittsburgh Steelers are opening up a season with some interesting expectations uh, with a date against the San Francisco 49ers, who now have the highest paid defensive player in NFL history, with Nick Bosa making his return after getting the deal done this week. San Francisco favored by two and a half points on the road, Brandon. Um, I'll say I'm going to take the Steelers to win. Um mm. So that means they cover. Um, I, I feel less great about that than I did earlier in the week, obviously, in light of the Nick Bosa return. But um, th- no. this is one of those like games to watch, I think. I was tempted to go with this as my lock of the week. I think if I wanted to go for style points as opposed to safety, uh, I think I would have gone with it. And obviously, there's better value here with the Steelers. You know, if you want to go, let's say, like the Steelers' money line or yeah, money line because they're underdogs. Um, yeah, I mean, I think 49ers have had a bad vibes offseason. It's recovered a little bit with re-signing Bosa, but still there's a lot of just weird, not good energy that's been going on. And I like the Steelers a lot. I think they're ready. We talked about this, I think in previous episodes, I think they're ready to, they're, they're that team that the people think everyone, everyone thinks the lions are. Kenny Pickett is a quarterback. Everyone thinks Justin Fields, like his progress that he's going to make. I think the Steelers are, should be favored in this game. I think the 49ers are getting way too much benefit of a doubt for a team that is trotting out a quarterback who is still very much an unknown in Brock Purdy. And I think the Steelers win this one outright. So, of course, I'll take the points. I think I'm with BLG on oh, this no, one. we're on the same page. Yeah, that, that, you're with me too, Stephen. <laughs> what the RJ. hell? Why did I get um, no credit? Jeez. No, I, I, I think on, on paper, the 49ers are the more talented team right now. But – 
I've expressed my concerns about San Francisco and in Purdy and just kind of everything that's going on there right now. And like, I know their defensive line is still going to be really good. Nick Buster just got his big payday and their pass rush is going to be awesome. But I have my questions about their defense too. Like their defense was spectacular last season, but they don't have D'Amico Ryans anymore, who I think was very important to that defense being as good as it has been over the last couple of years. And then George Kittle might not even play in this game. Um, He's already up in the air for week one, and we talk about him missing games every single year. I I just think that I'm not buying into Kenny Pickett just yet, but I am kind of buying into Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. Like, I liked the draft that they had. I I like the development that they're seeing from these wide receivers and pass catchers and They've just got a lot of things offensively that I think can give San Francisco some problems if Matt Canada doesn't fumble this thing offensively for them. So I I am kind of in on the Steelers, like not necessarily as like a legitimate like playoff team or something like that, but I think they can surprise a lot of people in week one. You know, you brought up several good questions about the Niners, Stephen. You didn't even mention Brock Purdy, right? Like, I, I, you know, I think we all agree it's very, very, very possible that Brock Purdy played the best football of his life a year ago. Um, and so without George Kittle, like at a certain point, you know, I, I don't I'm not trying to say like the clock strikes midnight and everything returns to like pumpkin form. But like that is a big bet. And as toxic as things feel, I think, among Chiefs fans right now, the fan base that has the highest likelihood of getting like into pitchfork mode after yeah. week one is the Niners if Brock Purdy turns out to not be so great on Sunday and they lose at Pittsburgh, although they did lose last year in the opener in Chicago as well. Um, But I don't know, Brandon, you seem to believe in Pittsburgh. We all believe in Pittsburgh. So that's a good thing. Mike Tomlin as a home underdog, 13, five and two against the spread. That's that's very, very good. 72% cover rate. And he's 12 and eight straight up in those games, 60% win rate. Like that's, those are very good numbers as a home underdog. I would not bet against Mike Tomlin as a home underdog. The Indianapolis Colts are a big time home underdog, five point underdogs at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars rating AFC South winners. It is the debut of Anthony Richardson. There is of course, no Jonathan Taylor there, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I saw a great uh, post at big cat country. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, it was, it was like satire. It was like the Jaguars denied uh, the Colts trade request of Jonathan Taylor for Trevor Lawrence and a key to the city of Jacksonville. Um, but <laughs> Steven, you are feeling very confident in the Jaguars picking up where they left off last year. Yeah, and this is actually my lock of the week, and I think this should actually be more. Like, Houston's given up nine and a half. Like, I think this should be Mm -hmm. higher. I'm not really sure uh, what we think we're getting in the Colts, that this game should only be five points. Um, The Colts have one of the absolute worst secondaries in the NFL this season, and their defense just generally is really lacking in talent and is not going to be very good. And then offensively like yeah i really like anthony richardson and i think he's gonna be dynamic and fun to watch but i don't trust anything else on the offensive side of the ball for them and i don't really trust anthony richardson until i I see him do something because i'm not confident they're going to be able to run the football i don't really trust any of their pass catchers all, all that much and i just think that jacksonville is really good like i think jacksonville is primed and ready to take that next step to being like a legitimate contending AFC team because I have that much faith in Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. We'll we'll see if they can put it together defensively this season, more so than they did last season, but their offense has a chance to be one of the best offenses in, in football. And I am all aboard the Jacksonville Jaguars train. Yeah. I got to see Anthony Richardson uh, when the Colts came to town to have a joint training camp practice against the Eagles and, I think it's clear that he needs time. He's, this isn't a guy who's ready to – he might make some highlight plays here and there as a rookie, but I just the consistency is, I don't think is going to be there at all, and that's not shocking. That's the book on him. He needs time to develop. Uh, I think there was kind of a noticeable difference when you saw Gardner Minshew, who certainly is not a long-term answer, but it has gives you like you know more consistency and a, a higher floor um, than Anthony C. Richardson, but also a much lower ceiling. But I think that there's such a big gap between Anthony Richardson's ceiling and a very low floor – and and part of it's not like his fault he's not, not surrounded by a great support system around him so i just think there's going to be a lot of bumps along the way for anthony richardson and i will take the jags and doug peterson to cover 
I agree with everything y'all are both saying, but I think it's week one. So like we've all had a very long time to form and come to terms and agree on a lot of opinions. I think the true division starts um, maybe Monday morning, but I think Anthony Richardson could offer an incredible fantasy season while the Colts are just terrible, right? Like that's, that's kind of what this has the makings of this game has the single player. I'm most interested in watching um, across the league and Calvin Ridley. I think we're all really anxious mm. to see what he looks like. Everybody saw the TikTok of him and Zay Jones back to back and whatever. Um, and it, it does kind of smell like, you know, at halftime, he's got like four catches for like 126 yards and two touchdowns or something. And everyone's like, oh, my gosh. And, and the Jaguars hype takes off to a different level. Um, so another clean sweep. I don't think we have we don't have any disagreements yet. Right. Any, <laughs> wow. Any Very exciting. Um, uh, next up, the Battle of Ohio, I think, is the official name for this. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals visiting the Cleveland Browns and two point favorites in the process. Uh, we didn't talk about this uh, when we were talking about the Chiefs because we were courteous, uh, but the Bengals were not. Uh, actually, right after kickoff on Thursday night, it was announced that Joe Burrow, now the highest paid player in NFL history, uh, $55 million a year, 219.01 million of that, uh, or of his total contract guaranteed. Um, Joe Burrow continues his ascension to the top of the football universe, given everything that he's done and performed uh, with over the course of the last few years. I'll take the Bengals. Um, I almost locked this up, Brandon, but I was a little bit stressed out about the Burrow calf thing. It does seem mm. like all is well in that sense um, entering Sunday. Yeah, we're kind of flying blind a little bit with that. Don't know the exact you know situation, but I think we can give him some benefit of the doubt being as good as he is and not going to give that to Deshaun Watson, who, by the way, again, another player who came to Philly for Eagles training camp practices and was not really impressed with them. Didn't look good to me. So uh, I'm not going to bet on him. I do buy the Browns defense. I do think that's going to kind of keep them uh, afloat this season or give them some kind of floor. Uh, I do buy Jim Schwartz making a difference for them and the talent and the pass rush that they have. So if this was, you know, a, a bigger line, I would take consider taking the Browns to cover it. But only two points. I mean, I'm just going to bet on the quarterback here, and I will certainly not regret betting on Joe Burrow, and I would if I was putting faith in Deshaun Watson. I'm just going to agree on everything <laughs> in week one, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I'm not taking Cleveland. And the Bengals, even with the Joe Burrow thing, like I, I think Burrow is going to be fine. Um, if there was any worry, I, I don't think they would put him out there in week one. And I think they could still – possibly win this game if Joe Burrow couldn't play because mm. I'm really not in on the Browns and it's, wow. you know, personal feelings uh, aside for the Cleveland Browns. I just don't think that they looked good in the preseason. And I know they weren't playing a, a ton of starters for the majority of that, but they did in their preseason game against the chiefs. And if you follow the Browns and all of the beats uh, that report on this team, like they've talked about how much they've struggled throughout training camp and how, how bad Deshaun Watson has looked. And I feel like they intentionally played all of their starters like well into the first mm -hmm. half against the chiefs to like make people think that they were better than they are going against <laughs> twos and threes for the Kansas city chiefs, because even Deshaun Watson in that game though. And I know, I think he threw a couple of touchdown passes, he didn't look particularly good. He was just going against second and third stringers for the Chiefs. Like, I, I'm just not buying into the Browns at all. And I know they've got some talent, but uh, I, I'm not in on Deshaun Watson. Like, I, I think that he he might not just ever be that guy uh, again on, on the football field. And I just think the Bengals are a more talented team and a team that's not going to lose to so someone like this Cleveland Browns team in week one. Joe Burrow is the only quarterback that I am more scared of in a very certain sense than Patrick Mahomes. Like, like I'm if, if I had to rank the dude I'm most fearful of in 99 out of 100 ways, it's Patrick Mahomes. But Joe and Brandon, I know you were first on this point like a year ago. But Joe Burrow, like that, he is a killer. Like I, I am very scared. Of He's the only Joe quarterback Burrow. who can like has proven to regularly beat Patrick Mahomes, right? Well, Jared, <laughs> Go Jared Goff is too. I mean, you know what I mean. But like actually, like legitimately <laughs> uh, outshine him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, I will say something that's going to be interesting to watch, and it's week one, so it's difficult to, like, get carried away with this, but the AFC North is going to start off with a bang. Um, so we all pick the Steelers to win. We all pick the Ravens to win. Obviously, these are the other two teams. Both the Browns and Bengals have divisional games next week. The Browns visit the Steelers on Monday Night Football, um, and the Bengals host the Ravens next week. So this division is going to have a really kind of rocky beginning both these teams have division games for the first two weeks of the season so uh, we'll see how that shakes out but we all have cincinnati um taking an early lead the washington commanders are getting seven 
points in the home regular season debut of Josh Harris, the best owner in the city of Philadelphia, Stephen. Um, the Arizona Cardinals are that bad. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on this one. Um, this is really just a matter of the Cardinals waving the white flag on this season already. It is like just looking at this on paper, if you're not following all the storylines for the Arizona Cardinals, which why would you be? Um, the minus seven seems like a lot for a commander's team that we have a lot of questions about. But then, like, I don't know what Jonathan Gannon was doing this week, like refusing to name a starter. And then, oh, it's Josh Dobbs, a guy who's been a part of the team for like 10 days. Um, I don't know if we've ever seen a more obvious, blatant take job than what the Arizona Cardinals are doing right now. So, yeah, they have the worst roster in football. It's not even close. Washington's going to win. And it, it's it's probably going to be a gross football game. Pick it like what the points though. I mean, I'm going to take the commanders. <laughs> I'm going to take the commanders by the seven. Easy. Respect. Jonathan Yannon is a fraud, loser, bad oh vibes, <laughs> uh, curator. He, it's just, I, I. why would you possibly, how could you go down on the ship with Jonathan Gannon? Like, how could you make that your pick and feel good about it? And if it goes wrong, be like, well, I didn't regret it. I liked going with him. No, I like the commanders better in the spot. It's their first sellout in a long time. There's a, I don't think it's a completely different franchise just because Dan Snyder's not there in terms of now the team is going to be amazing from the jump. But I do think there is a sense of renewed energy. And uh, I think that will manifest in the team and the, the stadium being hyped up. And it's really an ideal week one opponent for them that they can kind of beat up on this joke of a team that has like the lowest projected over under win total, right? Three and a half in like a long time. Like this Cardinals team is pathetic and you know i guess you can always worry about that like does that motivate their players but i don't think jonathan Gannon is motivating those players based on the videos that the cardinals are putting out so give me the commanders to win and cover i don't think it's easy to be the front man for a tank job um especially when it's this obvious to your point steven um you just have to hope that it's all going to be worth it but man that is such a difficult thing to assign your kind of fandom towards so uh testing for the cardinals uh very quickly i wanted to shoehorn this in there i just saw this i don't know if either of you did um this is a tweet uh from steve right uh reader uh avoid the vig is the twitter handle uh with regards to the fourth and 25 play for kansas city um the tweet says hear me out kansas city should have stepped out of bounds on their own nine yard line have you heard this take steven i saw the tweet this morning yeah. uh brandon it, the point here is um if they do the lions can't milk the clock because there's still too much time yeah left. i saw this i saw someone say that's that, really yeah. interesting because detroit was only up by one point i kind of like that idea I mean, yeah, the counter, never. <laughs> yeah, no one would ever do that. The counter, too, is that what um, they, you know, the Chiefs could or the Lions could get a touchdown there, go for two, and then they're up nine. Um, that's fair. OK, so the New Orleans Saints are three point favorites at home, kind of a true home field advantage in the Superdome. Once upon a time, the most difficult place to play in the NFL, the Tennessee Titans come into town. I actually think this could be the spot where we maybe all finally go some different directions. Mm. I'm going to take the Saints and I'm going to lay the points. Um, I believe in Derek Carr in this situation. I believe in the Saints defense, and I really just don't trust the tight. I, I trust Mike Rabel, but man, there are just so many question marks. Um, and DeAndre Hopkins had a, I don't know if either of you saw this at GQ sports article come out on Thursday where he lamented about the teams that, you know, didn't want to sign him in free agency. Bad vibes there to me. Uh, doesn't feel great. I'll take the Saints. I'll lay the points. Steven, what say you? I'm with you. Um, you convinced me a couple weeks ago on this show that I am just all in on the New Orleans Saints, I guess, because they've got a very favorable schedule. And I, I know the Titans are generally just like a plucky team. Like they always give you tough games and they're always ugly games to watch. Um, but and Mike Vrabel, I think, is a good coach, but this Tennessee team just doesn't have very much talent. Like most of their talents on the defensive side of the ball. And I think New Orleans just has enough offensively, even without Alvin Kamara. And it seems like Jamal Williams is going to be like the only running back that they have available uh, against the Titans. But I just think that the, the Saints are the superior team and this should be an easy win for them. So I'll take them in the points. We talked about, you know, that Titans, like, toughness to that identity. I mean, Rabel definitely deserves a lot of credit for that. I think he's a good coach. But you know who also deserves a lot of credit for that? It's Derrick Henry. Like, Derrick Henry, to me, is the Titans. And he is that identity. Like, he is their the identity of their team. And he seems to be the exception in terms of running backs who can, you know, handle these big workloads and still be fine. But he's only getting older. He's only, like, coming off another big workload of a season. And I just, it's going to run out at some point. It's not going to be effective. And 
here's the thing. This is the offense worst, probably the worst offensive line he's ever had to work with. It might be the worst offensive line in the NFL. Can you name a starting offensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans? No, I got nothing. If you look at like various offensive line rankings around the NFL, you'll see the Titans dead last. So they have Andre Dillard, who was a backup for the Eagles and was a bust before kind of rehabbing his career a little bit as a okay backup. They have Peter Skaronsky, who people liked a lot in the draft, but he's still a rookie starting at left guard. They have Aaron Brewer at center. They have Daniel Brunskill at right guard, and they have Chris Hubbard at right tackle. That is not exactly a who's who of offensive linemen. So, um, and, you know, there's a quarterback playing behind them who isn't necessarily, I mean, you know, Ryan Tannehill is athletic, but he's not a guy that's, you know, like Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts kind of, you know, uh, going to make a ton of plays and avoid pressure like that. So, uh, yeah, I am not going to bet on that. I think the Saints have a capped ceiling the way the Vikings have a capped ceiling here, but they do have a favorable schedule this year, and this is one of those games they will win this game. The Well, no division here. Um, what a boring show. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home uh, against the Carolina Panthers. Bryce Young making his NFL debut. We all like the Falcons' skill position players. It's just a matter of Desmond Ritter. Um, I'm going to go Falcons again. I just have more mm. questions about the Panthers, but this is – for division rivalry, this is kind of inconsequential to me, Stephen. I'm tempted to just pick some things. <laughs> we don't. Uh, we still have agree several games to get on to. all of this. It's some um, of the better ones. So, got to go with your heart. I'm. I, I like Bryce Young, and, and I I like Frank Reich, and I and I I want to be optimistic about the Panthers. Their offensive line just looks so bad mm. in the preseason. And we already have the questions about Bryce Young and his size. And if he's out there just getting killed, and I know the Falcons aren't, you know, one of these teams that has like an absolutely dominating pass rush or something like that. It just it just looked rough. And then Adam Thielen's hurt. DJ Chark is already hurt. Terrace Marshall's mm. already hurt. <laughs> like like they I don't know what wide receivers they're rolling into week one with on the field. And so I'm just I'm too questionable about the Panthers and I have al almost no faith in Desmond Ritter, like being a good NFL starter. But I just think that the Falcons have more talent offensively, like Drake London, Kyle Pitts. I know we're all excited to see B. John Robinson. Like I think B. John Robinson could just absolutely smash in this game. And I think that'll ultimately be the difference. So I'm taking the Falcons as well. Well, I'm going to be the first one to finally not agree with everyone. I'll take Ooh, the Panthers outright yes. in this game. I like them with the points. They, they have a lot of talent on defense, or at least like a lot of respectable names. I think they can have possibly a above average good defense, even um, offense question marks for sure. But I will bet on the upside of Bryce Young versus I'm just I've never been a Desmond Ritter guy. I don't see why people like him so much. And I'm also not the biggest Arthur Smith guy. I think he's flawed in a lot of ways. And Carson, uh, I was going to say Carson Wentz. Frank Reich has his faults and betting on Carson Wentz was one of them. I think he may have learned from that. And I think that um, he is going to be better off from it. And I will still, for all his faults, take him over Arthur Smith. Give me the Panthers outright and obviously with the points. Well, I'm sure he's a nice person. Just to be very clear, I don't think anyone is in on Desmond Ritter. Like, because you, you were like, oh, I don't know why people are in. No, I, I think... like, draft, there's a weird segment of draft Twitter that, like, liked him a lot I mean, and thought he was, like, quarterback one. I never Everyone has that. a hive. But, like, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that. It's an especially weird one to me. I think the consensus take is that the Falcons are limited by Desmond Ritter, but um, nevertheless, I'm happy that we got our first breakup. Okay. That's all the noon games. We've gone very long. So maybe we do have to kind of pick things up just a little bit here. We haven't utilized any zaps just to remind you say. both. Um, next up first afternoon game, the Philadelphia Eagles visiting the new England Patriots, the coronation of Tom Brady. Finally, um, new England is a four point dog at home to the reigning NFC champions. Obviously the Eagles have, uh, a lot of anticipation, as always. Uh, Brandon, we go to you first. Eagles favored by four. What are you doing? I think it's a bit of a suspicious line, and I feel like it, it seems like it should be bigger for a Patriots team that has a lot of issues right now. Their offensive line has been, like, a, a mess. There's a an article up on Pat's pulpit right now that is like, who do you want the starting right tackle to be week one? It's not a good spot to be in when, like, the fans are like, who should it even start for us? Uh, they have guys banged up uh, throughout training camp. They have guys on the injury report still. They're both of their starting guards. Uh, Jack Jones, who is projected to you know be a starting quarterback for them, was downgraded from limited to not practicing from Wednesday to Thursday. So they could also be a little bit banged up in the secondary there going up against A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard. So uh, I really like, 
I think this is a big mismatch between the Patriots offensive line that is leaky and it kind of in shambles right now versus the Eagles ability to get pressure. I really trust in that, especially against the quarterback back there again, who's not exactly going to make defenders miss for the most part. So give me the Eagles. I feel pretty confident about it. It's in lock of the week territory for me. It's that kind of confidence. Uh, I think they win the game. The question is, do they cover? I'm going to take them to cover. Yeah, I, I think they easily cover this game. I feel like the minus four here is just like a respect thing to Bill Belichick because the Eagles are a dramatically more talented team than the Patriots are. And I, I just don't think this is going to be a very close game. I think Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, like all the Eagles talented offensive weapons, I think are just going to have huge days this week. Yeah, I know that there's the take floating around that regression's coming for the Eagles, but it is kind of another one of those, like, un- until it happens. That you're perpetuating. Well, no, that's a very common take, <laughs> that, like, regression is coming for a team that had this statistically incredible season. I am offering it, but um, until it happens, it hasn't. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of not willing to bet against the Eagles until we have a little bit more concrete reason to do so. So I'll take the Eagles and lay the points. Next up, uh, the matchup of 2020 quarterbacks that were not Joe Burrow or are not Joe Burrow. Uh, The Miami Dolphins visiting the LA Chargers. LA is getting three points. The debut of Kellen Moore and his offense. Justin Herbert has his brand new contract as well. Brandon. Zach. I'll go Chargers minus three. Okay, Steven. I also wanted to zap like in the interest of time. We're going a little bit. Yeah. yeah, We had to to kind of do this at some point. So go ahead. Uh, I am also going to go Chargers minus three. Um, the Dolphins offensive line worries me and no Jalen Ramsey week one. I think it's going to be a problem. So I am in on the Chargers minus three. I'm going to take the Dolphins. You're also um, zap. There's my point. <laughs> so uh, at least we have more division finally. Okay. Next up, uh, Steven, you're the only one with the zap in the chamber. Uh, the LA Rams, uh, not at home. I didn't know, did y'all realize that MetLife is the home of both Sunday night and Monday night football this week? Um, kind of a funny thing uh, with the Giants and Jets hosting those games. But anyway, uh, the Rams will be on the road at the same time the Chargers are playing in their home building, visiting the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle, five-point favorites uh, in week one. Geno Smith, obviously, uh, got the contract, has the belief. Jackson Smith and Jigbo looks like he's going to play, Brandon. Um, it, I mean, the Rams, the, thank goodness for them, the Cardinals exist because they're flirting with worse roster in the NFL territory. It's so bad that Matthew Stafford has no interest in identifying anybody's names. I have, I think, brought this up before on the show. Can you name a Rams defender outside of Aaron Darnold? Probably Ernest not. Very, Jones. Yeah. It's, okay. There you go. It's, it's very, <laughs> it's very, and do people know who that is? <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, not. I shouldn't know who that is. What jersey number <laughs> right. is he, Steven? I have no idea. That's, exactly. Well, that's, that's out the, the point. Window. So, I mean, I can't possibly take the Rams in good conscience. And I also am high on the Seahawks. I think, again, I've talked about how it's so many young, like rookies and talented players making impacts last year. I think those players can get even better. It's just all comes down to Geno not turning into a pumpkin. And even if he isn't amazing, I still think the Seahawks might have enough talent around him to be a lowly Rams team. So I feel pretty comfortable taking the Seahawks in this one. Yeah, um, me too. Uh, I think, you know, JSN, we'll see if he plays and how much they're going to use him, but I think he's really talented. I don't think they need him to beat the Rams. Um, This is just a bad football team that's still in rebuild mode. And, you know, maybe Matthew Stafford looks okay after last season's injury woes, but I'm not confident that he's going to be. I just think Seattle is the far superior team. So minus five is easy. Um, it's so interesting. Brandon and I talk about this a lot on the mixtape, Stephen. The Cam Akers thing. Like, remember how it was like he's never playing for this team again. Um, and now there's the Cooper Cup thing. I think that's a great call about him potentially getting traded, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, it just I wouldn't even like the Rams aren't relevant enough to have bad vibes. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just weird vibes um, and awkward vibes and strange vibes. And so, um, yeah, I'll take the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are going to win the NFC West. Um, so I think we see a good showing uh, here in the season opener. All right, next up, uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, we haven't gotten a single Broncos country. Let's ride. Uh, but And I loved that Sean Payton kind of put Russell in his place on all that. But anyway, uh, mm. Denver is favored at home by three and a half against the visiting division rival Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I'll go first here and say, especially on the heels of Kansas City's. Wow. Got him. I'll take it was going to be an interesting point. But anyway, I'll take the Broncos. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was. 
I don't believe in them. Broncos is my pick, though. Um, yeah, this was almost my lock of the week, which is weird because I don't have a ton of faith in Sean Payton and the Broncos, but I have way less faith in Jimmy G and Josh McDaniels. Like the Raiders are a dumpster fire right now. Chandler Jones is yeah. just like ready to quit <laughs> on the team. Um, yep. And it's pretty obvious that Josh McDaniels just isn't a cool guy. Like, <laughs> like, like nobody enjoys that dude at all. It seems like so. I think the Broncos will win pretty easily. I just think the Raiders are a bad football team. Yeah, I can't trust the vibes going on with the Raiders right now. And Jimmy G, soon to be Ben's Jimmy G at some point for the future of the franchise, Aiden O'Connell. But uh, yeah, I mean, for as much as I don't really buy Russ rebounding, I buy the Raiders even less. Give me the Broncos. All right. Um, Wow. So every week, one of us will get that twice. Tough scene. I guess that was true last year, too, but whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the Chicago Bears. Oh, no zaps here. Uh, are favored by one at home soldier field uh, against the Green Bay Packers. This might be the game with the most questions, Brandon, uh, with the Justin Fields factor in Chicago and DJ Moore. And then the Jordan Love debut, finally moving on from Aaron Rodgers. This is an interesting game in a lot of ways. It might not be good, but it is very interesting, at least. Give me the Packers, baby. I'll take the Packers. Uh, again, Justin Fields, prove it to me. Prove it to me. There's no his. There's no. There's virtually no precedent that he can even be like a a merely like good passer based on how bad of a passer he's been. Regardless of the lack of support system, there's just no evidence for that. And certainly that did not help him. But it also was not the only reason he struggled. So I am not. I I, hmm, I, I way of thinking about this game that I'm trying to remember that I was going to bring up. I think it's like, I think we're going to learn more about the Packers in this game than the bears. Like are the Packers anything? If they are, I think they make this competitive. They hang out. Um, If the bears come out and beat the Packers, then it's like, okay, I think it's more about the Packers being bad than it is truly about the bears being great all of a sudden. So uh, I will take the Packers though with the one point. It's pretty telling. I think about, the Bears' outlook overall that they're, they're, I mean, why aren't they standard three point home favorites? Aaron Rodgers is gone. Why are they only one point favorites against well, the Packers? They had at the home? worst record in the NFL last year. That <laughs> yeah, but that's like, do people love the Packers' outlook? Really? Like, I mean, well, I, you I asked why. Like, that's actually, this Steven, line before, is telling you that the Bears you go, aren't Steven, good. What, what would the, the Bears Packers have to win? do? This is a, a real question. What would the Bears have to do to, like, impress you, even if it's mildly? Like, what would have to happen on Sunday for that to be true? Justin Fields go like 25 of 30 for 350 yards. Well, I know you'll be impressed because you're rational when it comes to Justin Fields, but that's why like Brandon has these like impossible expectations of him. He's already like baked in like, oh, well, if they win, it's more about the Packers being bad than the Bears being the worst quarterback in a long time (laughs) when it comes to passing. Okay, so so no answer. Steven. That is my worry, and I am with BLG. I'm not going to absolutely decimate Justin Fields the way that he did because I'm a Justin Fields fan. Um, but I, I, I kind of want to pick the Packers here. And you know what? Actually, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm taking the Bears. I'm not taking the Packers. I was talking <laughs> myself into the Packers. But then I just remembered, like, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, super questionable for this game. Like, they might be down to – a very, very thin wide receiver core. And these are two of the youngest teams in the NFL that both have a lot of growth and a lot of development to make. Like the reason I'm so hesitant on the bears and I, I love Justin Fields and I want to see him take that step as a passer. He did not look very good in the preseason though. Uh, like a lot of these cutups uh, of his past attempts in the preseason were kind of rough and, yep. and, and the bears still have a lot of question marks along the offensive line, despite investing in it a ton. Like I, I still don't feel super confident in it. So I'm going to take the bears, but it's only because the Packers might have so many issues at wide receiver on Sunday. I believe in the bears, um, not to a great degree, but I think that they will take a step this year. I think Justin Fields will improve. I think the DJ Moore thing is really valuable. Um, I think we're forgetting about that. Um, I think DJ Moore, like DJ Moore could lead the NFL in receiving this year. Like, I'm not no. saying that that would mean the bears no. ha- have like 12 wins. Well, do we see remember, like Eddie Roy? No, he can't. The NFL he, can't. In he is a quarterback who can't pass the ball. Well, he can't lead the <laughs> NFL in receiving. 
I don't um, know. Do you see DJ Moore's yak in the preseason? That's I mean, exactly like that's what I'm saying. Like, um, I will take the Bears. Um, I like that it's almost a pick 'em. Um, but I, I do think this sends us down. This is a fork in the road for takes and for opinions. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see the fallout of all this. So, um, it's going to be fun. That's like this. I know I said I was excited about Calvin Ridley, but like I'm really excited to have an answer on the Bears because if, if it's more of the same, Brandon, you're right. Like I think that that becomes really, really, really loud. It's like, oh, this dude just can't pass, like blah, 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 blah. But that was, I'm not comparing the two, but that was kind of the take on Jalen Hurts before last year, right? And then he he blew up. And so, and like, I think that was the exception, though. That's not, it's not the rule. That, and I think people I'm, are trying to make this the rule. Well, like, that's but, not the norm. I don't think anyone's trying, that. but like, I think people are wondering if that is lurking. And if it is, then like, obviously great for the Bears. But if it's not, then okay, you know, maybe you should have taken Bryce Young, right? So, like, I'm interested to get more information in that sense. Um, that is all of the games on Sunday. We'll talk more in detail about Monday Night Football on Monday, Football Monday, uh, but we can pick it here right now. One uh, sentence each is the rule. Oh, that's right. I forgot sentence. about this. Uh, one sentence on the Buffalo Bills. So one sentence and your pick. The Bills are favored yeah. by two and a half on the road. Steve. I am a believer in the Jets defense, so I am taking the Jets. Aaron Rodgers has a great debut. Bro Rogan's team wins game outright it is going to be so annoying how loud the jets hype is after they blow the bills out all right brandon tell us a fun fact about the earth and then we leave it's round tgif (laughs) support for this show comes from fundrise Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com slash Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs. You might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. 